0: Okay, hi everyone. Stu here, flying solo tonight from the top order side. So I'm I'm not sure I can pull off one of Binksy's snappy intros, and I'm not sure about the music. We'll uh, we might get Raj to edit that in uh, in post. But to here to help me with the show, I'm joined by a guest who I'm sure will be well known to many in the New Zealand cricket community. Long-time listeners might recognise the name Mark Allison, as we've we've mentioned him a few times on the podcast already. Former New Zealand under-19 captain. Uh, We mentioned him during our chat with Finn Allen, had a bit to do with Finn's development as a a youngster. Mark's now living in Ireland, where he's played first class cricket for the Northern Knights, the Irish Northern Knights, and is still flashing the willow in club cricket. Just told me he had a finals day at the weekend. So he's the perfect person to help me chat through this Black Caps v Ireland series so far. So, yeah, Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, Stu. Thanks for having me.
0: All good, mate. So, look, I want to bounce around a few different things from this Ireland-New Zealand series, but before we start, why don't, yeah, why don't you fill the listeners in, who I'm sure many of them will kind of recognize your name. You've sort of been in a lot of different cities and, and uh, provinces around New Zealand. But so, yeah, what are you up to these days in terms of your cricket stuff?
1: Uh, so I've been over here in Ireland for, for five years now, so based in Northern Ireland. Uh, so came over August 2017. Um and, yeah, um, probably came at the right time in terms of the first-class structure here um, had just begun, I think, that year in 2017. Um, they'd been playing a lot into provincial games before then, but um, obviously with test status achieved in 2017, uh, you know, we then had the opportunity to play first-class cricket and then the, you know, 50-over-limit-overs stuff became, um, you know, effectively list-day status and as did the T20. So um, I came over at the end of that season, um, and just got involved back with my old club um and then in that winter um you know got involved with the uh, the provincial team here the northern knights um and, and thankfully the the following year 2018 um made my debut in first class and list day um so yeah i had three seasons there um playing club cricket for civil service north of Ireland. um and then come sort of pandemic time obviously there was um less cricket i had a pretty much a season off last season and then uh you know i got on really well with the northern knights coach simon johnston so um been talking to him on, uh, last winter and um uh, the opportunity came about to join the, the coaching structure for the knights um so you've been betting coach for the last um what would it be sort of seven eight months um, really enjoyable nice. you know group of guys to to work with um some good good young talent we've got one or two guys um in the irish setup and um yeah, probably have underperformed a little bit uh, along the you know the last few years. So, um, yeah, just trying to trying to work with guys to um, help them find their their potential, which is obviously what everyone's striving to do.
0: Nice, and um, and and look, we'll we'll go we'll get stuck into this ODI series soon. But um, you know, I can see uh, listeners who can't see the video, Mark's sitting there and his, his black Caps singlet. So, uh, black caps fan first and foremost. I, I sort of want to know where. Maybe you can help me out a little bit I've, um, on the podcast. Raj has missed the last couple of episodes where we sort of dived into the, the Black Caps England stuff. I know you went to a, a few of the days and, and kind of I've talked a little bit of myself about how that series sort of felt particularly painful. I think partly because England was so terrible for that series. and But then also like New Zealand was... New Zealand Like a, a year ago, we were lifting the World Test Championship Mace it now sort of feels like we've come right back to the pack. So I'd be interested to know if, like, is there anything in that series that kind of gave you, that can help me have some hope, I suppose, that this test side, maybe the the results weren't as bad as they they appeared in hindsight, or, you know, anything that kind of gives you hope that we can get back to the top again with this group of players, or is it almost a, a situation where... You know, it's some of these players are getting to the end of their test longevity.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I think you're right. You know, there was a sense of pain in in how we were, you know, in the end so comfortably beaten in that series. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I, I think from what I understand, I guess it just goes to show that, you know, there are very small margins in the game. And if you're not quite at the standard required, um you know the top teams can you know knock you off the pedestal fairly quickly. So look, I, I just feel you're probably right. like a, a few little things haven't gone our way, whether it be you know the, the likes of the injuries that you know the, the depth in the squad has been tested. And while a number of those debutants have come in and done well, um, you know it's probably it's a combination, you know we, we obviously haven't had the the runs in the top four like we did you know previously during the last World Test Championship cycle. Um, which has, you know, obviously been spoken about a lot and, and, you know, it goes to show how important they are. Um, but then, yeah, I guess I haven't looked at any numbers, but I guess our bowling attack hasn't been as effective. Maybe some, you know, questions around selections that could have been differently there, obviously utilising AJ's potentially a bit more in that last series. Um, mm. Yeah, like I think guys are just, you know, slightly off, not necessarily at their best. And for me, you know, it did make me wonder, you know, I wonder whether in the last cycle um, we just had that you know rubber the green at, at times. Um, I think what I noticed in the last series, certainly from a top order batting perspective, we were playing at balls we didn't necessarily have to play at, and I just wonder the impact of yeah. white ball cricket has had on that. Um, and then from a bowling perspective as well, um, obviously we've you know, guys coming off the IPL etc. Cetera, et cetera, I do wonder the impact that had on, you know, lack of bowling loads coming into that series. We obviously in the end had to bowl a lot of overs. Um, confidence was knocked when, you know, our best bowlers were going out four, five, six and over, um, especially in that sort of fourth inning. Mm. So, yeah, I just think there's there's always just such small margins in the game and flatter wickets here in England, which might not necessarily have been um, totally predicted. I mean, I think the fact that the ball didn't necessarily really turn. I mean, obviously Leach got ten in that last test, but you know, you didn't see the wicket deteriorate as I probably would have expected if it was going to be a dry summer, which we, you know, in England, I think it has been. So um, that's probably been a little bit of a surprise mm-hmm. and obviously we didn't quite get selection right. Um, and we're asking our seamers to do a hell of a job against guys who are, you know, clearly and arguably, you know, career best form. So just slightly off it, mate. And yeah, I don't know. I think obviously our depth is going to be tested. Um, I've loved our pick and stick selection policy over the years where... You you make guys really work for that opportunity to come in, and by the time they've really worked hard domestically for that opportunity, they've scored runs in various conditions. Hopefully, they've been on one, two, three A tours, um, so scored runs overseas, um, taken wickets overseas, and that just means that by the time they come into the New Zealand team, you know they are as ready as you could potentially be. Um, so I hope I hope, do hope that continues. It's obviously a bit different with the white ball, where you know we have more and more series, so you've got a chance to bring guys in. Hopefully, the series island there's an opportunity to give those guys a, you know in the next tier especially bowling wise um an opportunity to you know just get used to international career island or obviously an improving team um especially in white ball cricket so um, a good opportunity for those guys to get some
0: experience yeah i think that's that that's the most frustrating thing for me that you, you just mentioned that we play so much more white ball cricket we just don't play that that test cricket and i think I, i've mentioned it on a previous show that we're going to have to wait till November or December to kind of, you know, get the test guys to have another crack and kind of redeem themselves. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's really tough for that, that part of the game. Um, but look, let's, yeah, let's move to kind of happier times for, for Black Caps fans in, in terms of this Ireland series. And, um, full disclosure for, for the listeners, we were planning to have this chat last week and, um. One of the notes that I made was I wonder if Michael Bracewell versus Michael Rippon will become an interesting battle in the, the lead-up to the, the T20 and ODI World Cups. But it feels like this, that question is uh, well and truly redundant now and, and probably is the first place we should start in terms of um, Bracewell's performance.
1: Yeah, look, he was obviously exceptional with the bat, um... You know, I think he's batting in good position for those first, or certainly the first ODI, maybe even the second one, where the ball certainly did do a bit early on. So, um, you know, he was in that fortunate position of coming in when the ball's slightly older. I mean, the wicket's obviously flattening out. And, geez, didn't he, you know, make the most of that? Um, I think, you know, obviously Ireland were in a position where you, you just sort of back them to win, and maybe it's a case of them just not quite knowing how to get across the line um but you know that was some performance he obviously just rode the momentum of his, of his innings um you know there were some some tactical faults I think that have been widely criticized here um based on you know how Ireland uh, managed those last couple of overs um but obviously they you know they bowled into his arc and you know he was able to execute which you know under pressure can obviously be quite challenging and he just seems to be going from strength to strength obviously his confidence is high he's in he's in a rich vein of form um, having brought the form from the domestic season in New Zealand um I think the beauty of it is of of the selection in general I think is that you know look I remember playing club cricket against him as a 16 year old in Dunedin Mm -hmm. um and he was you know whacking it everywhere you know against men and you know against first class men in club cricket which you just didn't really see from you know kids that age um he was raw but you know he's always had that power um always Mm -hmm. had that power so He's probably taken a bit longer than most would have hoped to find his feet at, um, you know, domestic first class uh, list day level. But as I said, the timing of the selection's perfect. He, he just seems to really love the contest. And, you know, I looked at his body language when he was going for six, seven and over in that test series. And I just thought, you know, I, I can't recall a spinner we've had, you know, who's had strong body language while being whacked around, at, you know, at six, seven and over like that before he just... He's part, you know, he just wants to be involved in the contest. You know, he's aware that every ball is a new contest despite what's happened in the previous ball. And I think, obviously, that stands him been good stead. He's going to be bowling on some pretty flat wickets for a while until maybe, you know, he gets to the subcontinent if he, if he obviously makes the squad. So um, he puts a lot of revolutions on the ballers. I'm sure you, you'd probably appreciate their lips. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy to have. And you're probably right, you know, if you had Ripon in that squad as well, it just gives you a great, you know, different sort of variety. You play them both some games maybe you choose one or the other. So, yeah, exciting times in that regard, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it is an interesting... I think it's still interesting, going to be a little bit interesting to see how Michael Ripon, you know, if if he can force his way in. I, I think it's going to be pretty tough for him now, especially with Phillips kind of bowling a few overs and, and Bracewell. Like, even, even you know, like you say, Bracewell's, he gets hit a lot of revs on the ball. I've, I've talked a little bit about... Yeah, I really like how he looks um, developing, I'm, you know... For me, you spin, spinners are all about spinning the ball, and uh, you know he looks like someone who can can certainly do that. I was actually pretty pleased to see Santner spinning spin, spinning that ball in that Ireland series as well. But, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, when you look at the likes of Bracewell, Ripon, if Phillips is going to be bowling a little bit as well, Santner and Sody, yeah, there's a lot of, of, of options there, and I think it's going to be hard to, to kind of keep them all in there but yeah i mean unbelievable series for him it's 190 runs without being dismissed did only get two wickets from those 25 overs but economy rate of 4.76 which i think was the the best of the bowlers which and really good in a a high scoring series that that innings that he scored i mean it's it's sort of hard i mean people are going to say it's it's just ireland but you know that that innings that he played with new zealand 120 for five chasing that big total, they needed 77 off the last six overs, eight wickets down. I mean, this it, you can't think of many situations. I mean, Craig McMillan on the commentary was pretty much just saying, okay, Ireland kind of wrapping it up. And um, yeah, just to go and do that, it was it was an unbelievable effort. So I think that, that almost pencils him in, I would say, in both the, the T20, well, maybe not in the T20 squad, um, but certainly in the ODI squad for, for that World Cup. I mean, obviously there's still a a wee way to go before that, but um, yeah, I think I think very impressive stuff. You you mentioned before um, about selection uh, or tactical decisions that were criticised a little bit in Ireland. Where where is um, cricket on the news cycle in Ireland? Does it does it get much coverage? Where, you know, is this something that was actually debated in the mainstream media, or is it just just in the the club cricket circles?
1: No, we, you know, there's not a lot of coverage in the mainstream media. Um, here in the North, you know, there'll be a bit of publicity this week, given we've got three matches up here. The, the T20 series is up here at, uh, at Stormont, which is the, the grounds of Parliament here. Um, so you know, the, the sports cap would always sort of include those, those results. But you no, know, in terms of mainstream media, there, there's no sort of face of cricket in mainstream media here. Kyle McKellen, from, he, he's from Northern Ireland here, he does a lot of commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, who was involved in the series, um, in the ODI series, will probably be commenting uh, today as well. So yeah, it's it's more yep. that there is, a, a, you know, there, there's a real community, um, certainly on Twitter. There, there's a huge community of cricket fans here. Um, those who love the game here do really love the game. Um, but no, we, we don't get that general coverage. But no, I mean, you know, the the media outlets that do cover it here, like newspapers, um, and, and a lot of just generally online publications um you know we're disappointed obviously with the tactics um the the community here in, in Northern Ireland who I've spoken to as well were obviously disappointed with the tactics just in terms of you know the you know the, the last few overs well Mark Adair bowled I think the second last over and he went for four and then the final over um you know just felt probably bowled into Michael pricewell's arc there which is probably a fair comment um mm. However, you know, the, the boundaries are a reasonable size and you'd, you'd probably back him to miss hit one. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. He was hitting them clean. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, hopefully the guys have learned from that. Um, you know, the, the nature of cricket here is that, you know, we, we don't have the facilities to, um, to really, I believe, compete consistently uh, on, on the international stage. So we need to be smarter in other areas of the game. And tactically we have that you know there's some astute um you know players and members of the coaching staff who really understand white ball cricket really well um and so that's where they do need to be uh, you know smarter and i think we are you know getting better in that regard so um you know that that those mistakes would have been noted and hopefully they've been um you know, learned ahead of the, the T20I series this week. Now, Ireland probably at this stage might be a better 50-over team than the 2020 team. But at the same time, short of the game, in theory, it obviously brings the teams closer together. Ireland don't probably have that real power middle order. Um, they've certainly got some guys who are improving in that area. The likes of George Dockrell um, has been a guy that's you know from a from the left-arm spinner into a you know a. Pretty much a batsman these days who, who barely bowls um and you know the results he's produced in the last um probably 12 months have been really impressive given what he's gone through but obviously that they're, they're very reliant on paul sterling at the top of the innings if, if he goes off you know he's he's got to be up there as one of the better you know t20 limited overs players in the world on his day um so very reliant on him obviously harry techter's um coming through and you know he, he's probably not naturally you know, he's probably technically uh, more inclined to be a better longer form player, but he has a really mm. strong work ethic, and you know his white ball game is improving. As as you know, people would have seen. I think he's had twenty three ODI innings, and he's made nine scores of fifty plus, and he's averaging forty seven. Um, so that's really exciting as well. And you've got the captain Andrew Balbirnie, Bel- who's fifty overs, um, particularly against Afghanistan. Actually, um, who've obviously got you know two of the better spinners in the world. So. Um, They've got guys there the good good ingredients and a good spine of a, of a team um, who can be successful so yeah hopefully this is this is just as competitive if not more competitive a series.
0: yeah look um, I want to I do want to talk a little bit more about Harry Tector because yeah that was uh, an unbelievable series from from him but let, let's sort of stay on the setup stuff uh, at, at the moment because um, you you talked about um, playing first class cricket and stuff over there but I saw a report recently saying, There's going to be no first class cricket in Ireland anymore. Is that a a permanent decision or is that just a, you know, COVID related couple of years? Is and sort of if there is no first class cricket, how's that going to impact kind of the development of test cricket really over there?
1: Yeah, so financial um, you know, constraints are the are the main reason there. So um so we last played first class cricket in twenty nineteen. Um, obviously, when COVID hit, um, it was easier not to, but also financially, you know, the impact of um, not playing as much international cricket was obviously gonna, um, you know, hit us hard when it comes to staging those, those first-class games. Now, we were only playing three-day first-class fixtures, um, but still there's an incredible expense, obviously, staging those, um, you know, uh, match payments um, for players and officials, um, and then, you know, accommodation, costs, mileage, you know, costs for travel, et cetera um you know staging a three-day game apparently is um you know is, is a huge cost so it was easy you know for them to do at the time to just say look it's it's too difficult at this point in time um and we haven't played months since 2019 so i have heard wow. um playing some test cricket over the winter um and we're not going to be playing any first class cricket in between times so they're probably <laughs> going to have to be a bit creative as to how they prepare their players for that um they have, in the past, held sort of internal north versus south kind of trial matches um, to try and lead into those matches. They send certain players over to England to play against county 2nd 11s. They have, like, an Irish Academy team, an Irish uh, Wolves team who head over and play those. So they are trying to keep guys, you know, um, uh, you know, get guys some fairly recent red ball form, but, I mean, to this, you know, at this stage, this season, we've only had one um, four-day match over in over in England for those players um and they're not the top tier players you know they're, they're the guys on the fringes um and and below you know who are developing still so yeah the, the top the top players are getting very little if if none um red ball cricket so yeah obviously such a different game uh, yeah. the ball behaves differently um obviously there, there are different um you know requirements around skill set that that you need to be able to uh perform um for longer forms so it's going to be a challenge that's for sure and I think it just goes to show that you know despite being a test playing nation there's some real challenges that we we face over here and any success that we have on the international stage is a minor miracle I, I think it's fair to say given the resources we have so um so no I mean that the guys are good I mean they realize you know it's it's not perfect world in regards to that but they just get on with it and they've just obviously got to do the best when they cross the white line
0: yeah, it's, uh, Ireland's always a side I've, I've had a bit of a soft spot for in the last sort of 20, 20 25 years. I um, uh, had a bit to do with, um, yeah, Paul Mooney at and um, down in Christchurch. So kind of hearing a few stories about the, the World Cup when, um, you know, when they beat Pakistan and all of that and sort of had had the soft spot for them since then. But yeah, geez, it, it, like you say, it's if you can't even, you know, fund a, a four-day game and, and uh, it's... <laughs> It, it's sort of staggering, really, that uh, they can perform so well against New Zealand. Just about tipped over India here in the T Twenty series. The women, who I'm sure get even less resources, they they just beat South Africa. I think in the T Twenty. Um, shout out to Arlene Kelly from Auckland, who's over there playing a, a bit of a role for for Ireland. But yeah, re- remarkable um, stuff to uh, to be to be doing that. Is like, it, 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 does that mean that? kind of it all hinges on really the World Cups, the T20 World Cups and the, the ODI World Cups in terms of uh, getting the funding first and foremost, I'm sure, or, you know, actually qualifying for those. But then, you know, is, is everything in, in coaching circles and selection circles kind of leading into trying to qualify and then performing in those tournaments?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's no doubt. Um, you know, that's that's where a lot of funding does come from, for sure, participation. I think the challenge for us is, you know, facilities is a big one. We don't, we don't have, you know, the, the international body at this stage doesn't have their own um, grass uh, net structure um, to train on. Uh, it's been a work in progress, but I think it's still a work in progress for for some time. So, you know, we're really at the the mercy of a lot of clubs um, who are able to provide, you know, extra strips for the international team to train on. And, um, you know, realistically, they're, they're not always at that, you know, top international standard to, to be able to really, you know, prepare thoroughly um, for, for matches. Of course, there are times when they are, but, you know, across the board, um, it's a huge ask, you know, for for local groundsmen to, to be preparing those, um, you know, those wickets consistently. Obviously, the climate doesn't help us here either. Um, so, yes, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Um and I think the nature of T20 cricket in particular globally is that you're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of countries who wouldn't necessarily be the traditional, um, and, and, you know, nations, um, the likes of Oman, um, you know, the the likes of Scotland and the Netherlands, you know, potentially changing selection policy and and getting, you know, different type of players and, um, and being far more competitive. I mean, Oman are a tough team to beat and you just would not think, you know, in any, you know, Stretch of your imagination that they should be competitive, yeah. but I mean, you know, Ireland have shown that they're you know um, able to compete with the likes of India, the likes of New Zealand. Um, yet, you know, we still struggle to beat the likes of Oman, um, the Netherlands at times, um, in those mm. you know uh, World T Twenty qualifying tournaments. So, it's very competitive. Um, obviously, oh, even sorry, that uh, Namibia obviously did well at the last World T Twenty as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's getting harder and harder. Um, it's getting more competitive. Um, which is obviously great for the game. Um, but, yeah, it, d- it does mean that there's a real reliance on, on, on the top players here in Ireland to, to be at their best in those tournaments if they are to progress. And, you know, the nature of T20, it can be fickle. So it can go either way at times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, um, let's get on to, to um, Harry Tector then because, yeah, I think absolutely the star of the series, um, certainly from an Irish point of view, maybe even from, from the whole series. I mean, we touched on... on Gracewell well in his performance but yeah tech to 200s there i mean uh, was this sort of an expected thing is is he kind of been touted as next big thing in irish cricket or is is this um you know how high i guess are the expectations around his future obviously someone i haven't seen a huge amount and you see someone score 200s in three games and look you know looked all class i thought and uh you know it's very easy to overreact but you know I'd, yeah be keen to to hear what the you know wider overview of, of his game?
1: Um, look, he, he's probably not somebody who, you know, people have earmarked as the next great player. I certainly, I certainly do think in terms of a leader, yes, 100%. He's, he's going to captain Ireland, you know, probably sooner rather than later. Um, and probably mm-hmm. in all three forms. Um, he comes from a well-known um, family of, of cricketers, his older brother... Jack um, has played uh, certainly for the Irish Wolves, and he's been in and around the Irish squad for a few years. He's a few years older than Harry now, so he's sort of um, you know battling the, um, the the juggling act of working full-time as well, as still trying to play some domestic cricket here. Uh, his younger brother, Tim, mm. uh, who came through the, the Irish under-19s, setup, up, I think, last season. Uh, last year, he was captain of the Irish under-19s. Um, he's played a bit of domestic cricket here now. Um, so three brothers that play for the YMCA club down in Dublin, um, who are, you know, one of the top teams in the country. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's just gone from strength to strength really. I mean, um, I made my debut in the same year as he did. Um, and he was an Irish under 19 player at that time. And his body language, his level of maturity for his age, um, just blew me away instantly. Tactically, he's very astute um he's always looking to learn he's an incredibly hard worker and he just has that that perfect combination of you know an ability to the depth um without I think over analyzing um he is you know he is incredibly intelligent as well um and yeah skill set work ethic here I think I think he's got all the ingredients to be a really good player um, he's obviously getting more and more publicity now that um, he's he's strung you know some real consistent scores together. Um, you know he, yeah. um, I think Pangia gave him a a, a bat uh, and they had a chat um, after that T20 series where he um, he played very well in the first T20. Um, so you know yeah. whether that means he gets further opportunities to, to get in the in the likes of the IPL, I don't know. Um, obviously, it's incredibly competitive, um, yeah. but. I mean, as an all round player, you know, I mentioned his leadership. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Harry's a genuine all rounder. He's incredible at point in the field. He's quite tall, lanky, but moves incredibly well. And, you know, his reach, uh he often dives, you know, really well to his right, obviously his left as well and saves a lot of runs in that point region. Um and then bowls some some useful white ball off spin as well. So genuine all-rounder and yeah I think it's fair to say you know there there is a lot of excitement about where he can get to in this game hopefully just he you know continues to get the the uh you know the level and and the consistency of cricket at an international standard that keeps allowing him to to grow and improve um because yeah I mean that you know there is a bit of excitement around me Paul Sterling's still got a few years left Uh, Andrew Balburnie's um you know not old by any stretch of the imagination this the squad should be together for hopefully the next sort of four to five years um got Josh Little who was actually a an IPL squad member um yep. in, the, in the most recent IPL um, who's a dangerous left-arm bowler um left-arm quickie Craig Young who's you know um basically got Jason Roy's number uh, I think he got him out three times in the only series um that was over there a year or two ago so um, yeah, there, there is a lot of talent here. It's once again, it's just trying to get the volume of games to to make sure that these guys are competing on that international level and as often as they can, and um, you know, continuing to improve.
0: And look, um, you know, I've I've picked your brains for for quite a while. I should really let you go soon, but why don't we just circle back to to the Black Caps to to finish? Uh, sort of uh, someone I've been thinking about, kind of how they fit in, and someone we mentioned before is. Someone you had a bit to do with it as a as a youngster is is Finn Allen. Uh, I'm really trying to wonder where he kind of fits into this New Zealand side. I think at T20 we can certainly see how he might just immediately jump in and kind of open in, in those T20s next to Guptill. And um, I mean, obviously, Daryl Mitchell did a fairly decent job there in the the last T20 World Cup. Seems to do pretty well, kind of wherever Daryl Mitchell slots in at the moment, but. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that Finn, from your point of view, is someone that can work in the ODIs and I suppose in, in the T20s, you, you know, in this upcoming World Cup, kind of next to Guptal or is, is he really someone we should look at as kind of the Guptal successor when Martin Guptal kind of finally does move on and, I mean, certainly looks in good form at the moment. So maybe no signs of that happening anytime soon. But yeah, how do you how are you viewing Finn and his kind of development over the past couple of years?
1: Yeah, look, it's been amazing how, you know, the opportunities he's been given over the last couple of years on the back of, you know, some good white ball domestic seasons with Wellington and, um, yeah, it, it's been good to see him get some opportunities for New Zealand, obviously it's, it's a tough side to get into. Um, but based on what we can see selection, wise, he does seem to be a bit of a horses for courses selection at this point in time, I think certain conditions they might look to use him, I think in Asia in particular, uh, where you've probably got to make the most of those first six overs. Um, I think he's probably the most dangerous he can possibly be. Um, obviously, he he hits very long straight, and in that regard, he's probably similar to Guppy in some senses. But in other senses, you know, he's an out-and-out out striker. Um, you know, Guppy tries to mix, I guess, a combination of you know good stroke play with his striking ability, and that's probably why he's got 18 international ODI, one um, Monday international hundreds um, because it's about trying to find yeah. that you know that right balance. Um, Finns maybe not. Quite there at this stage and i haven't been close enough you know to him to understand whether that's a an area of his game he wants to work on but um c- certainly in terms of that raw ball striking ability um you know there, there are a few in zealand who can obviously match him so yeah i think probably at this stage conditions um, based selection um great for him to get some opportunities on, on this particular tour you know obviously after um they leave Ireland, they're, they're in scotland and the netherlands as well so Differing conditions um, that he'll come up, you know, come up against there. So good experience for him to build um, and to keep, hopefully, trying to improve so that, you know, when it comes to playing those better teams, the likes sort of Australia, South Africa, um, you know, he becomes a genuine option for us to look at. Um, I mean, he he loves pace on the ball. Um, he loves facing quicks. Yeah. He's very good off the back foot. Um, so hopefully, longer term, yeah, he, he's he's going to be. You know 50 over option but i think you know, our selections do seem to be very conditions based um you know we've we've got a number of options at the top there as as you've already alluded to hopefully guppy's got another two three years left in him um because yeah i guess the experience that he's built up is hard to replace immediately um but you know there are some guys there i mean obviously latham's in the middle order now he can he can do a pretty good job up top as well potentially for us if we need to um, yeah, they've also looked at a range of different options. Obviously, Henry Nichols better there the last World Cup, um, and there's obviously a few few other guys coming through. So, um, who knows what they go with? But, but based on you know based on what we've seen recently, they seem to go for that horses for courses approach. Obviously, Mitchell Open in the t- World T20, um, he could do a great job there too. So, yeah, look, it, it's exciting times in that regard to who they go for, and um, I guess it's just up to guys to take their opportunities when they come, like like potentially braces has the series.
0: And look, last last question before I do let you go. I guess is is there anyone we're recording this on uh, Monday night here, in New Zealand time? So overnight, we'll uh, we we'll the the T twenty first T twenty will start. Is there anyone uh, that you're kind of looking for from a from a Black Caps perspective? That's I guess is on, on the fringes of that side T uh, twenty or ODI, I suppose in the in the coming series that that you're thinking can or you, or you would like perhaps to to see. really push their claim and and force their way into the reckoning for these World Cups because, you know, you often do see that um, these World Cups, you know, they come down to uh, they are a real squad game. You only get to take 15 over there and and especially and particularly the the ODI World Cup when we go in in terms of uh, the conditions that we're going to face are going to be quite different in the subcontinent. So, yeah, is there anyone that you're kind of looking out for and, and hoping to, I guess, see, good things for in the in the coming uh, month or so of white ball cricket
1: yeah that's a good question you've put me on the spot there but lips um funny the <laughs> name you mentioned um rip actually I'd, I'd like to see more of him um you know from a black caps perspective um, he's looked really good for the bolts obviously for a while now he looked pretty decent in that modi um, series in ellen's had in, in new zealand back in april um you know I think he's in at least one if not two of the squads for um you know tours to Scotland and and the Netherlands so yeah look I I'd like to see him and whether you know he's a genuine option for for us to take it you probably you're probably hard you you're probably struggling to have you know all of you know Sodie, Sentner, uh Bracewell and, and rip in that squad just you know wrist spin is obviously a different proposition um than finger spin so yeah. yeah it'd be interesting to see um how the likes of he goes you know brace well is always an option but i do think i mean his batting is clearly um you know incredibly dangerous it's just tough as a finger spinner um and white ball cricket to be effective on you know on anything other than um you know turning wickets right so you know you've got to have yeah. uh, an incredible uh ability to to copper hammering and and come back ball after ball and game after game so so that's a real test of your metal for sure so and i think braces has got that but it's whether you know um it's whether we've got that ability in in various um conditions to you know to play that that finger spin it's it's bloody tough and and that's where i think ripon could could be an option for us um so yeah um you know i guess the ball is in their court for whoever stands up and um and takes the opportunity um good to see Santner getting another crack he, he's he's played very little cricket um for New Zealand for a while now so um and, and you know on his day he's he's dangerous with the bat and obviously you know bowls some good tough overs to hit um with the ball so um and he's obviously leading New Zealand this series so it'd be interesting to see how he takes on that responsibility and yeah three three games hopefully we get all three in today's going to be Going to be really good it's going to be 28 29 degrees um and yeah it's, uh, it's my home ground um the wicket's never generally totally batter friendly it can be a little bit slow so it'd be interesting to see what will be a good score 170 180 maybe south africa were here last year got sort of around that 180 190 um and it, and it could be tough to chase but if all sterling gets going um you know we, we should be in for an entertaining afternoon
0: Beautiful. Well, we'll see. We'll see how good your uh, your score, good score predictions are. This, this episode will probably come out after the, after the game, so uh, people will see. will, will already know your, your thoughts there. But look, Mark, it's uh, it's it's always good to catch up. Really appreciate you you jumping on the the call from over there and and filling us in uh, a bit about the Irish setup. But yeah, like you say, just the the challenges. Uh, I guess of getting. You know, I mean, New Zealand it even talks about the the financial challenges of of playing um, various various forms of cricket and um, particularly Test cricket and um, yeah, but you know, as you say, it's a completely different ball game and um, yeah, I'll certainly be uh, that that soft spot for Ireland will will continue for me. So I'll be yeah hoping for for good things and um, hoping to see your name continue on in the coaching ranks there. But yeah, thanks again for for your time and uh, we'll, we'll chat to you again soon.
1: Absolute pleasure, Lips. Thanks very much for having me on, and, um, and keep up the good work. I really enjoy the episodes you boys put together. So, uh, so good on you. Keep it coming.